Picture it. Marriage, an architect, or crime for a few examples. Did you picture it through a gay lens? We didn't think so. Society associates most things through heterosexual norms, but what happens when it's looked at differently? Every week, we examine different situations, peoples, and events to challenge the status quo. Join us in creating a space that allows you to access a new wealth of knowledge and representation for the LGBTQIA community and its achievements as well as its struggles. Hi, I'm your co-host, Jamie Wildgoose. And I'm Austin Pellegrin-Webb. And thanks for tuning in to Queers in Your Ears. Good evening. Welcome back, Queer Wigs. And welcome to the season finale of Queers in Your Ears, season one, episode 13. Drum roll, please. Can we leave now? Yeah, we're done. I mean, <laughs> okay, this was great. the entire season. Thanks so much. Bye. Honestly, thank you to everyone who's listened, all 27 of you that has been loyal fans. We send our hearts out to you, truly and honestly. Thank you for putting up with our tinny volume, our echoey sounds, our bad jokes. Yeah, I mean, I 100% ditto to that. I, I am got. so, so happy that we've come so far. We have. And thank you for sticking with us, you know, through our first couple episodes, trying to figure everything out, kind of get our sound down, because it's been an incredible journey, but I can't wait to continue to produce and meet our new queer wigs in our family for season two. That's right. That's a great sentiment, Jamie. Exactly. Jamie, I think this episode is mostly going to be kind of a reflection on the past season. All of our previous work, I will say our oeuvre for our listeners out there. What does that mean? It means like work, like your body of work, oeuvre. Look it up, bish. You're a learned man now. You've been through 12 episodes and you ask me what oeuvre means. But... Get out. But... We just took it for a circle because in our first episode, I believe, you said, Google it, bitch. I did. And we also talked about a man with a hefty oof, Leonardo da Vinci. And not Leonardo DiCaprio. I get them very confused. I apologize. It's okay. I mean, I understand. They both have a dad bod and a beard for no reason. And I'm a sucker for that. Oh. (laughs) You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. So how do we want to go about this? Well, I wanted to tell our our listeners that this episode is really going to be kind of a combination of what the word queer and being gay means to us Mm -hmm. and a little insight into our real lives. And we are going to share our coming out stories to all of you. Ooh, juicy, gossipy. Absolutely. Mine's going to be super boring. I don't know about yours, but we'll figure it out. Yes, Jamie, like you said, this is going to be an exploration of what queer means to us and uh, maybe a few more stricter definitions as well. But I'm really excited. I'm also really excited. Would you like to... I want to kick it off with a cheers, actually. Okay. To all of our queer wigs out there, Jamie and Austin do drink sometimes on the job. That's what happens when you do this on your own spare time and pay for everything yourself out of your pocket after working 40 hours a week every week. Cheers! Okay, Jamie, so let's kick off this week's episode, this last episode, the season finale. A tour de force, really. Uh, we're going to be on AMC next year. They picked us up. We have a cable series. Anyway, we're going to kick off this episode with the juiciest question I think I can think of for a gay man, especially when you're growing up. What's your coming out story? Well, first off, 
Miss Johnson, baby. Okay. Um, that happened. So I had two comings out, kind of really. Okay. So basically, I'm sure as a lot of our followers know, people that are LGBTQIA plus are often bullied in school. What do you mean? I've never heard of that before. Oh, well, then you had a... No, I'm just kidding. Dom childhood. <laughs> but I was bullied in middle school for mm-hmm. being gay, and all of the other kids kind of knew I was different. So in trying to figure out myself in high school, I became really close with this one girl. Her name was Tori Butts. <laughs> okay. Cut the camera. Deadass. Deadass. Her last name is B-U-T-T-S. She has a company, or her family does. It's called she- Butts Roast Beef. Okay, so you can continue. Everything's fine now. That's exactly what they needed to do with that name. So, oh, and they're great sandwiches. Great sandwiches. We're not sponsored, but Butts is what's it called? Butts roast beef. Butts roast beef. If you want to sponsor us, <laughs> so uh, we became really close, kind of my sophomore junior year of high school, mm-hmm. and she was the first person that I told that I liked boys. Ooh! And she was the one who was like, yeah, like, you know, you should be going out on dates and everything. Right. And at that point, I just wasn't comfortable. Wait, what time was this? This was 2013 to 2014. Whoa, girl. Okay. Keep going. So, um, you know, I believe I, um, no, I wasn't on any dating stuff at that point, but I knew that there were like some gay people around right. due to social media and following each other. Um, but I didn't necessarily act on anything until... Freshman year of college. Okay. When I was living at home. Still hadn't told my parents yet. So every male person that I hung out with was just a friend. You are naughty. (laughs) So flash forward to my sophomore year of college. I had a boyfriend. And um, I basically sat my mom down before I went on my study abroad opportunity and said to Sarah Ann... I said, I have a boyfriend, and I wanted you to know who I was if anything were to happen on my study abroad opportunity. And she reacted much better than I thought she was going to because... Sarah Ann, good for you. Sarah Ann was brought up Catholic and went to Catholic school till her senior so year So she high knows school. true struggle. Yes, she does. And that was that. But my perception of what my parents might do mm-hmm. kind of... Skewed. Held me from sure. coming out and being authentic. Mine's uh, same view as that that last statement there. Absolutely agree 110%. My parents... Thank you for sharing, Jamie. How do you feel about it? Wait, you had two coming outs, you said. Yeah. Well, I forgot about my dad. So I told <laughs> my dad like a couple years later... You're like, oh, whoops. I should probably let him know. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a conversation in the car, but I remember my brother kind of being like, I'm not going to tell mom and dad for you that you're gay. And I was like, why Thanks. would you ask that? Because I wasn't <laughs> yeah. going to put that on you. Yeah, right. I think uh, he was just trying to assume the responsibility for you. Yeah, he was just trying to be a big protective brother, which right. I appreciate. Yeah, and I think sometimes as little gay brothers, we need that push. Or little gay sisters or little gay theys and thems. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you for sharing, Jamie. My coming out story is not as nearly as interesting even. Because I was inherently a homosexual my entire life. And I mean that. Um, 
clearly. Everyone, whenever I pick up a phone, they're like, ma'am. And I'm like, no, it's actually sir. But that's okay. It happens have, all the time. I have the same thing happen yeah. to me. So we're in the same boat. Okay, good. Sometimes I order at Bojangles. They're like, ma'am, did you say a number four? And I'm like, no, no, I said a number one. Yeah. When I was very young, my parents were like, they leaned very much into kind of whatever I wanted to do. So I kind of got to do whatever I wanted to do in terms of like wearing girls clothes. And I was like obsessed with Cher. And my parents would let me listen to Cher. And my mom would like let me listen to ABBA. Um, not let me. She'd be like, here's ABBA. <laughs> so, and even when I was really young, my parents would like come to me like, is there anything you want to tell us? You know, they were always kind of like probing and I didn't even know at that time. So yeah, they've been really good. And then my coming out, like official coming out was like with one of my first boyfriend's um, I was dating him, not telling them, essentially. Obviously, I wasn't out to them. So eventually, they saw us, like, in pictures together. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go hang out with, you know, so-and-so. And then my parents, I asked if I could bring him to dinner. And my parents were like, um, sure, but are you going to tell your grandma that he's your boyfriend? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're like, mom. Yeah, like, literally, it was. it's kind of like that. That's with my parents. So... That's my coming out story. I was, like, nervous. I never really told my grandmother. If she ever listens, whatever. She could hear this because she lived it, but... The one that I met? You probably met Meme, yeah. Yeah. So, I was, like, nervous to tell her. And again, like you said earlier, I was nervous to tell my parents, and my parents were like, yeah, like, duh. (laughs) Like, we know that you're gay. So, um, and I thought they were gonna, like, disown me and kick me out on the streets. Because that's kind of, like, the climate of America. Let's be for real. A lot of people aren't as lucky as me. I will fully say that. Uh, but I told my grandmother, and I didn't tell her that I was gay. I just got engaged to a man. And I was like, Mommy, I'm engaged. She's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> so, I mean, I think my family has known for a very long time. It's hard to come out when you already know. Yeah, and I feel like a lot of parents are pretty in tune with their children, so yeah. they're able to. Yeah. However, I do just want to clarify that Austin and I have two pretty yeah. lucky coming out stories. There are a lot of people who are less fortunate, who right. are often kicked out of their homes. And that's why there are great resources out there, such Amen. as the Trevor Project, who kind of can walk you through when's the right time. You know, you can do probing questions about how how does your family feel about marriage equality or how does your parents feel about, you know, a gay celebrity, just so you can gauge it and, you know, come out in the proper way. Right. And speaking of still coming out, I did kind of have a couple questions. Okay. I wanted to pose to Austin to see what his thoughts were. Okay, Jamie, I'm ready. When did you know that you were not straight or attracted to the opposite gender? I know this one because it's when the second Tomb Raider came out and I was just like, I want to be Laura Croft. I didn't feel like I wanted to be female. I just wanted to like kiss boys and like wear tight clothing. And I was just like, I love peeing, standing up and all that good jazz. But yeah, I was like, um, something's different. And then, yeah, that movie came out. I think there's like a really hot guy in there. I haven't seen it in so long. I should go back and watch it. Um, but, uh, that's when I knew I was like, Oh, this is what, this is what gay is. I think, yeah. And then there was a Marky Mark ad that I found, like, later on. It wasn't when the Marky Mark... Calvin Klein ad. Yeah, I mean, everyone goes back to it. My Google search history is just, like, (laughs) destroyed by it. So, yeah. I'm interested to know when you knew. I honestly think it was, like, third or fourth grade. Mm -hmm. And then when Katy Perry came out with I Kissed a Girl, I would Google I Kissed a Boy. And someone had Mm -hmm. done a spoof off of her song. And I was like, oh, my God. This it's is like so the best thing funny, ever. and you're like, but uh, secretly, yeah. So probably I was like eight or nine. Okay, round. Yeah, yeah. I think it was nine. Yeah. The fact that we can put a date to it is incredible. It is incredible. 
My next question is, what impact has coming out had on your life personally? I mean, obviously, it's... I think it's empowered me because... It has empowered me. Because I can defend who I am without feeling bad about myself and feeling wrong. I mean, obviously, it changed my entire life for the for the absolute best. Because I get to live my authentic self, as everyone should be allowed to do so. Um... Yeah, I mean, I, I know that's generic, but I look back and I'm like, if I weren't me now, I would be miserable. Anyone would be miserable. So that's kind of, yeah, that's it. I feel that. Jamie, do you feel it? Um, I do. I do think that I would not be where I am today and I wouldn't be as strong as I am today. And you wouldn't be as mean. Exactly. Or maybe even meaner. I don't know. I can't <laughs> tell. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not. I mean when I want to be mean. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but I do think that I would not be able to push myself as hard as I am mm-hmm. if I were not out to everybody right. that I know or don't know. Okay. But my last hard-hitting question Ooh. I would have to say is, does internalized or external homophobia still impact you? If so, how? I mean, come on. Of course it does. I mean, I'm a white cis man and... White says gay man. And that community is atrociously about, like, being perfect to fit in, like, certain niches. And so I think it can... I think that internalized homophobia um, makes me feel like I don't fit in with other gays because I don't want to be as gay or, in quotes, as gay as them. Or, in the other way, I feel sometimes, like, I can't be myself in public because I'm just, like annoyed by the way that I flick my wrists because I literally do flick my wrists a lot and I lisp and I speak like a woman and I walk like one too but like (laughs) I mean I you know those things come up when you're walking down the street and you especially like we live in North Carolina we live in a pocket of like somewhat forward-thinking people but when you leave it's sometimes very scary to be your authentic self so and you know that makes me feel guilty because I'm not being my authentic self and that's hard sometimes. And that's kind of like, you have to squish it down or else other people will judge you. And I know that not every single person is bad out in the world, but um, it makes you do that. It makes you kind of second guess yourself a lot. I love exa- I love Full everything stop. that you said. I was, you know, taking it in. Yeah. I also feel that like, I both have internal and external homophobia and that mm-hmm. is a detriment to me because in certain situations or in certain everyday life I kind of am like oh well can I do that or is that going to be perceived as too gay or too gay am I going to offend another person when it's just like it's me being me so why should I have to change my daily routine to accommodate somebody else and it's also scary because to your point when you do leave the pocket of the metropolitan area right you, you have don't know to... how some other people are going to react because they are of a different mindset. Right. And we know, I mean, we can see it. Like, they display that their mindset is different. And I mean, even just to the internal, sometimes myself as a gay man, I don't feel good enough to be friends with other gay men mm-hmm. because I don't necessarily feel like I fit in with the super masculine Jim right. Bros. The insta-thotties. Or I don't feel in, I don't feel that I can fit in with a, the girls who clack the fans and are like, yes, queen all the time. You're somewhere in between. Yeah, and I don't think that is celebrated enough that you can be in between. Ooh, new podcast name idea. Somewhere in between the rainbow. Oh, 
Damn. I know. We missed it. Scratch this entire season. <laughs> you know what? Cut this shit right to the beginning. Yeah. It's I just, love that. Yeah, that's a great sentiment. Because what you're saying is you kind of don't, you don't fully, like, embody any sort of gay stereotype. And that's the gay stereotype, is that that homophobia. Like, we break ourselves down into stereotypes, and if we don't fit into one, we also suffer. You know what I mean? It's like we're doing it to ourselves. I mean, the gay community is notorious for, yes, we are accepting, however, and I'm specifically speaking about gay men. Cis men, yes, 100%. Yes. Yeah. That we are notorious for tearing each other down, when in reality, we should not be persecuting the group that has already been so persecuted right like we all have to fight the fight together unity <laughs> this is <Connectity>. a call <laughs> okay wow those are really deep questions i feel like we're um doing like a uh, warm-up like an emotional warm-up at a meeting for for like work these are the icebreakers for they're the icebreakers yes that's the word i was looking for that's the human word that would be used yeah i love those Incredible. And you have a lot more. I do. Would you like me to ask you another question? They were really good, Jamie. Okay. I'm ready for the next one, I think. So the next question I have is, what prevented you from coming out earlier than you did? Well, internalized homophobia. Okay. Obviously. Um, fear of dying. Fear of being rejected. Fear of being kicked out of our house. Fear of, you know, all of that. There's so much wrapped into it. There is so much. What was your reason for not coming out earlier? Did you just, like, keep forgetting to plan it? No. I'm not one of those people. I said I would accept on my phone, but then I said <laughs> decline. I just think for me, it was the perception that my mom would have and yeah. how our relationship would change, possibly, for the worse. Yeah. And my mom means so much to me that I didn't want to have the possibility of losing oh, her. Sure. And I also think it was... I was afraid I was going to get my ass beat. Let's be for real. I grew yeah. up in Redneck County. Um, Same girl. Connecticut where people beat dogs and all this stuff. And I was like, that could happen to me. So while I'm not going to come out, I will say no. When the question's asked, are you gay? Oh my I've gosh. Because that yes. happen multiple times to me. Yeah. Like people would, <laughs> let's all like, cut. We, people would walk up to us in school and just say, are you gay? And I'm like, who are you? I didn't get invited to a birthday party in eighth grade because... Because there would be boys there in their bathing suits. Yeah. I was Janice Ian. <laughs> Were you really Janice Ian? Yeah. I went to the birthday party. What's their name? Jackie Orlowski. Do you hear it here first. <laughs> no, we but, can't threaten people. No, but she did not invite me due to, I think, the perception. And when I went to the party, they took all of the pictures when I wasn't there. And we were playing Truth or Dare. And the age-old question was asked, are you gay? And you know what? I just find it funny because now when you're not in high school and you're in college, people that were not very nice to you or mm -hmm. didn't really talk to you because they perceive that you're gay want to be friends. And I'm like, exactly. So I didn't make a move on you in high school or I didn't want to sleep with you in high school. Right. That should be the perception. Be their friend because you can be human enough to talk to another person and be like, I'm afraid you, have a, you might have a crush on me. Do you? And you can be like, no, because you're not my type. And it's always the nasty, dusty boys that are like, I'm not gay, though. And I'm like, bitch, I wouldn't even breathe the air that you were breathing. But then you turn around, and ten years later, they're on Grindr. Being oh, honey. Like, hey. How many times... Let's be for... You're right. How many times did you get the fucking... Sorry. 
get the uh, Facebook message in the middle of the night. I'm like, go away. Like, skis balls. 100%. But then sometimes you're like, well. And you're like, well, should I? <laughs> <laughs> Let's ruin their lives. These are a great questions. Thank you. And then another question I have it's kind of like iffy. I didn't know if I was going to ask this, but it's how out are you? Mm. Do you do, do you come out to strangers? Which I know you personally, so I feel like... I do come out to strangers. I will tell you a secret, though. Sometimes when I'm in mixed company, I don't... I have... I always do, but I do have a hard time introducing Joey as my husband because it's... Sometimes it's uncomfortable. I'm afraid it's uncomfortable for people, you know what I mean, to know that we're gay like that so early on. Does that make sense? It does, but at the same time, I feel like you shouldn't have to... I know I shouldn't, but I do... I mean, I always call him my husband. I'm like, this is my husband. But sometimes I'm a little, a little hesitant. It's scary out there. Have you ever been to a Walmart in York, South Carolina? No, why would I do that? Right, correct. One time I was picking up a friend and I had to poop. Oh, a friend? No, it was a girl. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so what were we talking about? Um, we can just move on, I guess, to... Oh, I'm out of questions. Okay, great. So now we can just move on to the bigger question of what does queer mean to you? So it's a big question. And I think literally for me, queer... Queer means to me, again, about that empowerment that I spoke about earlier, about coming out... Just recognizing that I am different and not at a fault of my own. You know, that's a, that's kind of a relief when we all come out and we realize gay is not, like, I can't change who I am. So queer represents, like, a much broader scope of that power for me. Like, my my presence on this earth is worth other people's recognition. That's what queer means to me. That's, um, that's kind of, bit, that's been my guiding principle since I've understood, like, the queer zeitgeist. It's that people are different and that's a great thing to celebrate and a great thing to fight for. In fact, it's, we have to fight for that. So that's, that's like the beginning of what queer means to me. So it puts me into a space of, again, empowerment because I have a name, essentially what I am and what I feel is a name and it doesn't change anyone else's, like no one else can say anything to me about it. So that's like the beginning of what queer means to me. Do you have any comments so far? No, I'm loving your definition. I don't know if it's just a definition as much as like... Well, it's how you're feeling. Sure, yeah. And I think you might have some notes to say the same thing, but queer to me is literally... It's not just a gender or a sexuality. It's a broad spectrum of both of those things and in between those things. And... It makes me excited to know like more humans and let more humans be themselves because there's so many exciting people who could be happy and themselves authentically and not hurting anyone else. And we could have that in the world if we accepted queerness more and, and fought for queerness more, I think, just to begin with. I love that. Do you want to share anything? Sure. What queer means to me, um, it's almost like an acronym to me. Okay. It's to myself, it is quality, uniqueness, okay, extravagance, extraordinary, ah! and real. Okay. And it is a community for those who don't necessarily share a place in the mainstream structure of society. Yeah. And what I mean by that is the mainstream structure of society is oppressive 
Amen. So the queer community is a place for everyone to be welcomed right. and be supported. Yeah, because we as queer people always sink into each other. We always make like families with one another. And that's like a huge thing in the queer community is the chosen family. What else? I honestly think that's all I have. <laughs> it's a small little yeah. box that I, you know, kind of put everything into. I think that's good. I think you have a standard definition for yourself that that kind of encompasses it really well. I like the quality part, too. Because we are just quality. And we really stepped up. We really did. We really did step up. Okay. But I, I do want to share, you know, some things that I found in looking online okay. regarding queer. Okay. Um, in the English language, queer originally popped up in the 16th century as a synonym for strange and illegitimate. In the 19th century, it began to mean odd, and by the end of the century, people used it as a slur against effeminate men and men who slept with other men. In the 1980s... Love that. <laughs> I mean, they were just doing the damn thing. They were queering it up. And I think... Okay, but see, this is another thing about internalized homophobia. I think a lot of people get caught up in the fact that queer has been used as a slur against people of the LGBTQIA community, including the word queer. But um, words have power. And the fact that words are used to slight other people and the fact that we can reclaim that word is an incredible thing. So they... You that's, want me to... that's right where my head went. Okay. Because words only get power when you give it to them. And that is what people are doing with reclaiming the word queer for right. the community. Right. Just as other communities have claimed words for themselves that right. were used as derogatory terms. And I also want to say that the word queer in the definition of odd, which is usually, that's like the slur meaning. It's like, he's queer because he's odd. Like, it's odd or off to be gay. I don't think that's necessarily, like, the fact odd doesn't necessarily have to have a negative connotation. And that's why I think it's great that we've reclaimed the word queer. So actually, in looking at Mm dictionary.com, the term used to refer to a person who is gay or lesbian is actually the second definition. The real definition of queer is strange or odd from a conventional viewpoint, unusually different of questionable nature or character, suspicious or shady. Oh, honey, we are shady ladies. So it's perfect. I mean, it's still... This is like when straight people walk right up to the point about, like, gays are okay. They're like, oh, he's queer. We are shady. They're calling us out. They're being right, and we're reclaiming the word incredible. Keep going. True. Keep reading your papers, sir. No, I mean, that's it. That's all I have to say. I love it. I mean, there is a difference between the word queer and then also what people perceive as queer theory. But that's a whole nother topic. Is queer theory a whole nother topic? I don't even know what queer theory is. Queer theory applies to the political definition of queer, which is to question so-called traditional norms of sex, gender, and desire. Queer theory emerged in the 1990s from feminist studies, which questioned institutions and social practices that favor men and heterosexuals. As such, queer theory isn't just about gender, identity, sexuality, or being LGBTQ. Rather, it focuses on intersecting identities and social power structures like race, religion, class, disabilities, etc., and how each one affects societal oppression and privilege. Um, Yeah, that's incredible. So essentially what it's saying is that queer theory is is the practice of questioning, like, what society calls normal 
uh, typical male and female roles. So it's all about not accepting that everyone is male or female or masculine or feminine, gay or straight. Questioning the binary. Yeah, queer theory really sees sexual and gender identities as um, more of a fluid, fragmented spectrum. Sure. If that makes sense. More like pockets of individuality. Yeah, so if you think about, like, colors, like, what is the typical color for a boy? Blue. And what is the typical color for a girl? Chartreuse. Pink. I'm kidding. They say that is a full spectrum ranging from red all the way to, like, blue. Like, the whole, like, red, Roy G. Biv. Yeah, Roy G. Biv. That's hot, and I love that. What color would you be? Honey, green. (laughs) I'd be, like, a warm purple, I think. Interesting. No, I think I'd be a cool purple. Well, purple is the color of royalty, honey. Honey, I know. I am a king. But only on the internet. (laughs) You're a king in real life. That's true. Keep going. (laughs) So what's your thoughts on queer theory? My thoughts on queer theory is it really expanded my mind. I didn't really necessarily associate, you know, like gender or sexuality as Mm -hmm. being a spectrum. Just because of my own sexuality, I've never been attracted to girls. So I don't... Not yet. Not yet. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Just wait for season two, y'all. Oh, honey, we go straight on the next episode. (laughs) But so it really expanded my mind that everyone can be at a different place, Mm -hmm. especially with their own their own gender identity. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Where you can be feeling more masculine one day or more feminine another day. Yeah. And I just never thought that way because I was never brought up that way. Sure. It was more rigid. None of us were. Yeah, exactly. It was more rigid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just to comment off of that, I feel sometimes it's exciting. This queer theory, oh honey, it's titillating. I'll tell you that much. But it gives me the like headspace to start decategorizing gender and sexuality in my own brain. Because all, I mean... We all kind of have that, like, knee-jerk reaction whenever we see someone and they act like a little gay. We're like, that person's gay. Like, we know that they're gay. Or, like, we all think that we have gaydar and queerdar or whatever. And it just doesn't exist. And so the fact that you can't really tell any person makes me excited because that makes you, like, want to meet people and, like, accept them for who they are. And then everyone gets to be, like, everyone gets to have fun and eat a slice of cake together. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, very Marie Antoinette. Yes. No, not Marie Antoinette. Nothing <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, with everyone's heads on and, like, people are not starving in the streets. No, but the idea of queer theory is exciting to me because once you start questioning the duality of, like, these things that we have in nature, like, male and female, you learn more because biology teaches you that there are, like, literally hundreds of genders just you know, genetically. Yeah, it's just gender as a social construct. Exactly. So you get to examine your world through it as well, but queer, which is kind of what we've done the whole episode, I mean, the whole season, is analyze the world through a queer, like, lens. We have looked at it through it's a queer lens. almost like we came full circle! And it, to me, it's exciting because you get to think about certain things in a new light mm-hmm. is what ultimately I have come to realize when thinking about queer theory is it brings a whole nother ball game to or a dimension to something that you might not have perceived before right um and that excites me especially to see what can ultimately come out of the future is we've already made a lot of advances mm-hmm. for um lgbtqia rights we haven't made enough no however i do think that the social i guess 
venue is going to mm-hmm. be looking very different in 10 years. Amen. And I hope so. I hope it is. Because we need it. We do. And we've been working hard. I haven't, but somebody has out there. But I mean, it does start with educating yourself, just like we're trying to do in this podcast. Right. And so now that we've talked a little bit about our perception of queer theory and mm-hmm. queer overall. Okay. I do have some more questions. Oh my gosh. Jamie is the most questioned ass bitch on the planet. I was that kid who was like, had my hand raised. Yeah. Like, I have questions. And we, I know you were. Were you like at the front of the class or the back of the class kid? The back of the class kid. Me too. I kind of had people like doing spitballs at the back of my head. Oh, true. Yeah. I'd be farting on a lot of people too. So <laughs> they usually move me to the back. So the first question that I have is what do you struggle with in everyday life that a straight person would not know about? Well, everything that we've talked about this entire episode. <laughs> like, you don't feel like you're being judged just by walking into a room. So, straight people don't probably have that. I'm gonna say, like, a goiter or something. I don't know. Um, and uh, we really don't have rights in this country. I mean, up until very recently did we have rights. Like, did not have rights. That's something that people don't think about and... I still have to think back on, you know, when we didn't, like, five years ago when we weren't allowed to marry one another. And straight people don't have to think about that. And sometimes I'm like, it's really messed up that people made, people had to decide whether or not we got married. Do you know what I mean? That's really messed up. And so I have to think, we have to think about those things. Imagine what it's like to be someone lesser fortunate than us and lesser, you know, more oppressed in the system, you know. Imagine that. Like, I don't think straight people have to think about that a lot. I mean, obviously, if you're white, you don't. Other people will. But that's really upsetting sometimes. Do you ever just get mad about that? A little bit. And it's a shame that, honestly, a lot of people will talk the talk but not walk the walk and do Mm -hmm. the actual work to make things and make the change that they've promised. Yeah. Something that I, like often struggle with is just being perceived as different Mm -hmm. in this country. I feel like everyone is told that, you know, there's this American dream that, you know, you can be anything and everyone's going to accept you for being who you truly are. Right. But at the end of the day, when to your point, you walk into a certain room, you're still judged and you're still treated differently, even though on paper it's black and white that everyone is supposed to be treated the same. That doesn't mean that people are going to do that, which is terrible and it just further goes to show the uneducatedness of the American population. You and just not... said uneducatedness of the American population. Well, yeah, it's because we're not educated in the right areas. If you right. really think about it, why am I taking eight years of math in school? Or why did I take... You're essentially saying that queer theory makes you analyze deeper into what you thought you already knew. And you're exploring the fact that you don't know everything. True. True. Queer theory makes life exciting. We want to live life with queer theory. Like, why did I take four years of a language in high school? Yes, it's great to be trilingual, but why am I not learning about, you know, how to accept everyone for their sexuality or how how to relate to somebody that might not come from the same economic background as me? Right. Or even how to have sex with someone you love safely. Exactly. It just, it, it makes me wonder, like, why aren't certain things being held of more value over other things? Right. You know why. Well, I do know why, but... (laughs) I mean, because... Yeah, get mad about it. I mean, that's important. I think queer incites that kind of rage in me, too, in a good way. Like, a hot heat. Like, queer 
also once it makes me want to fight for queerness queer again it's just so empowering like i can't stop saying it i love queer i'm like oprah of queer but yeah i i retweet to your sentiment 110 percent. do you ever get mad i'm like mad right now good but i'm putting on a good face and put it to good use to all of our queer wigs out there use that anger that you have inside to fight toward the good cause which is the liberation of every person so they can live their free lives and also just use it as an educational standpoint i would say as well yeah because or that the change will start in small town communities it's not about top-down society it's really a bottom-up society where if you start at the point of contention, mm-hmm. you can really make a change. Be a local legislator or get a like-minded group together where you can start to form your own party That's right. and run in small town elections. And you can really start to make the initial change because I think starting at the bottom level, it will show like the higher ups on the state level of like, oh, wow, these small towns are really changing. So we need to make more laws that are more accepting and change how we're perceiving things on the state level. So it's you know, covered by everywhere. Jamie said, queer people take office. We do. And I love that. I want a badge that says that. Queer people take office. We need to fight the fight. That's right. Direct action. So my next question. Oh gosh. Have you lost friends because of your orientation? Um, no, because anyone who wasn't my friend because I was gay is not my friend in the first place. (laughs) That's a very valid. That is the correct answer, Jamie. I think I've actually gained more friends. Since I, I think have you have too. I hate you though, so it's not me. <laughs> um, do you think there's a chance that your sexuality is more tied to nurture than nature? No. Because here's why. My dad had two children. And they're both gay. Two biological children. That's what I said. Okay. He doesn't have two children. He has four children. But he's had two biological children. And they're both gay. But you know what? I was really spoiled. And I was kind of like, I love my grandmother. And my mom did let me listen to ABBA. I don't know. No, I'm just joking. I still think it's nature. I would have to agree with that statement. But okay. It is nature. Okay, but if it were nurture, what would have made you gay? It's probably the Katy Perry. (laughs) Honestly, I don't think so. I don't think that... Yeah, you were really boyish. You were like, you played sports. Yeah, I... Like, I had cowboy boots. Maybe my cowboy boots. I don't know. I had those too. I don't think that I was... Yeah, I don't think that I was invertently... Homosexual. Super homosexual as a child. I mean, I would be up in my room, like, putting, like, a fake dress on with my sheets. (laughs) Right. Staying up late at night, but, like... Yeah. Oh, staying up late at night makes you gay, everybody. (laughs) But I do think it was more nature, biological. Sure. However, you are able to be nurtured into letting you be your authentic self due to certain types of parents. Moms and dads, please take care of your children and accept them for who they are. So you're saying if they're mean, though? I Well, no. I think if they're more mean, it just makes the child not to really want to share right, who, who they, they are. truly are. Yeah, until they leave the nest and go to college. Sad. Yeah. I hate that. So my last question is how can straight people be a good ally to you? Like you said earlier, walk the walk. Don't just have gay friends and then not go and vote on bills that, you know, hurt gay people or more aptly trans people. And also 
straight people approach your queer people around you if you see someone gay go ask them how they're doing today and don't be a creep about it but like or maybe it's just like leave people alone in public but talk to your queer friends listen to what they have to say be open-minded about making more queer friends that's i think on the base of like what straight people can do to be an ally to me obviously put the work in you know like we're all putting the work in yeah and stop white girls stop dating boys that are homophobic and being like oh i mean like he can think whatever he wants like i don't agree with it no dump their asses okay strike against them so that way they know that it's wrong to be homophobic and they'll just stop getting pootie tang (laughs) stop having sex with your boyfriends if they're homophobic and let's see how fast we fix things that's my personal statement for today how can straight people be an ally to you jamie I would say just be more supportive and be open-minded. Do not automatically assume that if you're a straight heterosexual male that any gay man is going to want to sleep with you. That is not... (laughs) Barf. Like, that is not our 100% ulterior, like, motive in wanting to be friends with someone. We actually do want to have different groups of friends that align with different groups of thoughts because that's how you become a more well-rounded person right but we don't want different thoughts as in how people can live to be their like authentic self we're not going to debate that no right i love it jamie thank you for these questions okay jamie are you ready for your questions i indeed am what was your favorite episode to record oh gosh oh my goodness (laughs) I don't know if I have like a top contender for that question. I really enjoyed um, doing the such education episode. That was fun. I also really enjoyed doing the murder mystery episode. You like that one? Yeah, even though it was sad. I am a huge crime buff. Well, I yeah, love listening sure. to crime. And I'd have to probably say my other favorite was doing Polari and FOD. Polari and FOD was my absolute favorite one. That one was really fun. I, I don't know why, but it was incredibly fun to do. Yeah, I love that one. Okay, great. What, um, what topic do you think was most scandalous for our audience? Most scandalous? Mm-hmm. Ooh. I think either the topic of cults or I would have to say the trans movement and visibility episode. I think... Oh, keep going. The only reason I say that is because that is a very sensitive topic to me. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do it, and I know we both wanted to do it in the utmost respect. Right. Yeah. I think that the queer baiting was the most scandalous to me. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, I almost was nervous to do it just because I was going to be like, what if we get, like, backlash? But there's only 27 people who listen to this episode. Yeah, we're not famous <laughs> yet for that. So let's be for real. Okay, I love it. Well, thank you for sharing those questions with me. I do just want to say that we will be linking in the show notes two really good resources for our queer wigs who still might be having some conflict inside Mm -hmm. of whether they should be coming out to their friends and family there are also some really good resources on there as well to kind of just talk about our queer theory and what queer means to others as well as some pretty important definitions about the lgbtqia community as a whole so we will be linking that in the show notes jamie thank you so much for that you're welcome i love to do research you do and he's very good at citing his sources okay queer okay queer. how do you feel about the last episode I feel great. I honestly am so proud of us for putting this together and honestly speaking your mind on something that we have seen together as a gap in the queer community. And I want to, I know we do this a lot, but I want to 
thank our listeners for sticking with us this journey and kind of seeing us grow because Mm -hmm. without you we wouldn't be here that's right it's true it's like every single one of you makes our show worth doing essentially and also don't be afraid to let us know what queer means to you we'd love to hear what you guys have as your definition and what you hold dear to your heart for being a member of the queer community. Yeah, and during our hiatus, we really want you guys sending us a lot of messages and uh, suggestions on our social media. Jamie, what's our handle on Instagram? It is at queers in your ears. And you can email us at QIYE podcast at gmail.com. Queers in your ears at gmail.com was taken, sorry. <laughs> and also, Check out our Instagram because we will be posting a lot of new content. We're going to be doing some bloopers from season one. (laughs) Oh my God. And you can check out what we're doing in real life. That's right. You can follow us along there. Yay. So have a gay day. Cheers. Hey, Queer Wigs. It's Jamie and Austin here. And thanks for listening to our latest episode. Now that you've heard our voices, we want to hear yours. So leave us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And go follow us at Queers in Your Ears on Instagram. And have a gay day. Goodbye, Queer Wigs.